I could, I could go home right now, y'all. That worship set, testimony. Um, and uh, dang, I didn't even know about Felicia. That's crazy. We, the Bible study was on um, Jesus walking on the water and the disciples asking him to get in the boat and calm the storm. And Felicia said, I want Jesus in my boat calming my storm. And I was like, whoa. Whew. So, praise God. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning with y'all. Say hi to the person next to you. We're in church. Say hi. Introduce yourself if you don't know him. It's great. Hello to everyone online. Thanks for joining us. We've been going through the book of Colossians. It's one of 13 letters or epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote. And unlike most of his letters, where he's writing to churches that he's helped found, he started those churches while on his missionary journeys. You can see he went everywhere um, there in the Mediterranean. Um, There is no evidence that Paul ever actually stepped foot in Colossae in the city that um, he is writing this letter to. And um, Colossae is a city with a lot of competing spiritual and religious experiences. You know, most of the cities Paul writes to, they're port cities, they're on trade routes. There's a lot of different types of people making their way into town. And not unlike our society, there are a ton of competing narratives about what life should be about. So most of the people in Paul's day, they would have considered, you know, heaven and earth. They had some concept, how they talked about it. um, It varied wildly. But most people were like, yeah, there's an afterlife. There's something. You know, I would say that's true of us today. If you turned to your coworker, if you knocked on your neighbor's door and said, what do you think is after this life? They'd be like, There's something, isn't there? I don't know what it is, but there's got to be something after life. They would say, you know, heaven is good or or whatever the after is good. And then this earthly life, there's a lot of suffering, pain, brokenness. Um, Most of the people would have agreed on that. And Paul is like, yeah, I do agree. Heaven, earth, there is an afterlife. But he differed in one key piece. And he's really clear about this in the book of Colossians. Jesus, and we sang about this, Jesus is the only one that gets a say over heaven. All the other stuff is is down below. You know, there were Jewish writers that were trying to clarify it. Um, And then even we're told in chapter 2, the previous chapter in our book, um, there are a bunch of people, even within the Colossian church, that are trying to sort this out. They're trying to figure out, they're like, what are the elemental spirits? They're asking those questions. There are people that are talking about worshiping angels. There's some other religions involved. There's all sorts of spirituality. And Paul's like, that is not on the same level. Not on the same level. You can't just take this stuff and Velcro it to Jesus somehow. 
You know, like you don't get to add things. It's not a felt board where you just get to decide what you want to add to him. That's not how it works. Any spiritual experience or exercise that's not about Jesus, Paul says, is below. It's earthly. There were Judeo-Christian mystics in Colossae. So they were, they were a part of the church, but not really. And they created all sorts of problems. They were trying to figure out how to have like unique spiritual experiences. So sometimes they would starve themselves to the point of hallucination and, and say that that was like a good thing. We're not doing that here this morning. They would sometimes use substances to alter the brain and call it a spiritual experience. You know, I, I've seen this kind of thing on campus. It's like, if you take this thing, then you have a spiritual experience. It's super cool. It's like, no, I don't, I don't think that's the right way to go about this. They may have felt spiritual. They may have felt enlightened. But in reality, they were attaching themselves to something temporal, perishable. And according to Paul, we'll read this morning, everything but Jesus is fading and dying away. So please join me as we pray and jump into our scriptures. Jesus, we acknowledge you as the center of life. And we give you permission to point out the places in our lives where we have attached to things other than you. Do a gentle work this morning, Lord. And do the necessary work, the heart level work that is needed. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are in chapter 3, first 11 verses. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There we go. All right. So starting in, in verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Paul comes out swinging here. He says, you have been raised with Christ. The entire conversation we're having this morning takes place from that heavenly perspective. Okay? Not someday when you get to heaven. He says, you have been. You have been raised with Christ. Our old selves have already died with him. Our new selves are raised with him. Our place beside him in heaven is already secured. 
High five your neighbor. Let's go. Yeah. It's like 10% of the group high five their neighbor. People. And then Paul says, seated at the right hand of God. This is a way of Paul saying, Jesus is in equal position, honor, equal power, equal status with God. He's not like like a beta version. He is God. He's with God. He's seated with him at the right hand. And if you were with us at the start of this series, Andrew did a whole thing about Caesar. And this is, Caesar is considered like the main authority right now in, in these parts. And so Paul is in direct contrast to that. Caesar is disqualified when it comes to Jesus because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Paul says, set your hearts on things above. This is cool. Watch this. He says, set your hearts on things above. And then he says, set your minds on things above. Set your hearts, set your minds. In the original language, the word heart doesn't even appear here. But it is a good translation because the way it's written, it's like the word set, it's about seeking. It's about desiring. It actually can bring about the connotation of craving. So it's like your, your, um, your heart is meant to crave. And then when he says set your mind, it's this idea of like regard, consider, or like savor, dwell on. I had recently read um, a lot of science is starting to catch up with this kind of idea that, that our brains are meant to reinforce and ruminate on things. Like we're kind of wired that way. So when Paul says, crave the things above with, with your heart, yearn for it, with your mind, savor, dwell on the things above. It's an eternal perspective. He's saying, have an appetite for heaven. This will change how we live. If the parts of us that do all the thinking and the feeling, if they're aimed towards heaven, it'll change how we live. It'll change what we choose. The book of Colossians, I think we've been starting to get this, this feeling about this book, right? The book of Colossians, it makes one simple argument over and over again, and it's this. Jesus is above. He's above everything, sin, brokenness. He's above other religions and spiritual experiences. But he's also the center, the head, the ruler of all. He's holding all things together. That's what it says in the first chapter. He sustains it. It's from him. It's for him. It's in him. The book of Colossians keeps going that way over and over again. So when Paul says in verse 3, he says, for. See that first word there? For you died. I love the word for. It's like a because, but it's meant to tie together two um, two thoughts. So set your mind above, set your heart above. For your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It's a zoe life. That's the word that Paul uses. It's a salvation life. Aim your head, aim your heart at the things above because guess what? Your eternal life is already up there. We need to, we need to kind of like join it together, Paul's saying. 
He says it again, Christ, Christ, who is your life? Same word, Zoe. It's hidden with Jesus already. Jesus already has it. And when Christ appears again, our fullness of life comes with him. It's like a safe deposit box. It's already secured with him. Your life, your Zoe life is already with Christ. We call that salvation. And now it's time for our head and our heart to catch up. The fancy word for that is sanctification. The working out and starting to align how we live with the ultimate reality that we are already saved in heaven. As a Christian, I'm like, yes, I want that kind of congruency. I want that alignment. And there's a reason Paul uses appetite language. Okay, so I want to help us. I'm going to give us an image that I think will help us. All right. Costco hot dogs. If you eat a Costco hot dog every day, and I'm not judging here because they're delicious. Some of you might say, I do eat a Costco hot dog every day. Thank you. $1.50, let's go. Guess what happens? Your body starts to crave Costco hot dogs. There's probably something about the fats and the calories and how they make them. But it's also because there's a pattern that gets established that your body gets used to. Wired to repeat, and we actually live into it. Then what happens if you decide, I don't think eating Costco hot dogs is great for me every day. And you think, I'm going to actually start eating salads. At first, guess what's really hard to do? Eat salads. It's very tough. You're like, I really want a, I want a hot dog right now. Why am I eating a salad? It'll take a while. And actually, our bodies are really connected. So the, your whole body is like trying to sort out, why aren't we eating hot dogs anymore? But eventually it shifts. And there will be a point where you crave green stuff. It will happen. Science backs all this up. Our heads and our hearts, they're designed to seek, to be set on something, to hunger for, to find satisfaction somewhere. In fact, we had a, a neuroscientist that was in our Bible study for a while, and he talked about this. He's like, yeah, you, you actually, like, we're made to aim at things and attach to them. Like, that's how we're wired. Our, our brains are designed to dwell and fixate to ruminate on. So it's not if we'll do that, it's actually what we'll do that towards. What will we latch onto? So if you're stuck on something, you're like, I just can't, ugh. I hate myself, but I love myself, but why? Why do I do this thing? Or why do I fixate on that thing? It's not enough to tell yourself, just don't eat hot dogs anymore. Ah. It's not enough. It's not enough to say, Okay, that was the last time. That was the last time. Because we're wired to attach to things. We need to actually aim our savoring, mind and heart, we need to actually aim it at something above. 
So here's a question for us to think about this morning. What have I learned to crave? What have I fallen into as something that I crave or I dwell on? And it doesn't have, I mean, I think we can automatically go to really bad stuff. But like the example for me, this last Lent, I gave up podcasts. Okay? I gave up podcasts. Podcasts are not that evil, I don't think. But they were, I was starting to get really used to listening to podcasts. And I was like always listening to podcasts. And I was like, this is, I think I'm starting to get a little too like cravy about podcasts. You know? So just take a moment and think. What are, what's something in your life that maybe you're like, hmm, I've allowed my mind and my heart to kind of attach to it. And maybe, maybe I don't want that. I'm not saying we have to make any decisions right now. Just consider it. What have I learned to crave? What am I dwelling on? Paul goes on. And um, this little, this passage, this chunk, he does, he does a thing um, that almost every writer in his day and age would do. It's called a vice list. Like virtue vice. It's a vice list. So he, he lists off the things you just shouldn't do. So here we have, you know, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. He's listing off the things, hey, we're not going to be about these things. And um, ancient writers used it all the time. But what I love is he says, instead of saying, you know, don't do X, Y, Z, Paul says, put to death. Put to death. And um, a way that this could be considered that I actually really liked was, consider it good as dead. Okay? It's already dead to you. So it's not like you have, it's like acknowledging a reality rather than trying to like kill something in you. It's like, no, wait a second. This thing is already dead to me. Why am I living in it? Why am I doing it? It's already dead to me. It's down here. I'm up here. I'm not even going to like let it be a part of me anymore. So Paul says, put to death or consider as dead these things. And it aligns with verse three where Paul said, you are already dead. You already died and you were raised with Christ. So the things that like are down here, they don't need to be a part of your life anymore. This is Christianity 101, death and new life. What we used to be and what we get to be now. You used to walk in these ways, Paul says. You used to walk in these ways. Again, past tense. Walk in these ways. He's using language from the early church. They would talk about how they were walking out their faith. We didn't create that walk, you know, this is my Christian walk. We didn't create that. It's pretty old. So they would talk about how they walked out their life. They would talk about the way they lived. In fact, they called themselves the way. They said, they didn't even call themselves Christians. They called themselves the way. So Paul says, you used to walk in these ways. Something happens when you start to walk it out differently. So let me give you an example. I'm going to tell you, I've, I've told this story before, but it's been a while. So I, hopefully it's new for some of you. Um, I had a student when I was working with InterVarsity in San Diego. I had first come on staff. And there was a student, we'll call him Tim. And Tim had started coming around the group. And his, he wasn't a Christian. He wanted to be a Buddhist monk. Legitimately, want, that was like what he was aiming towards. 
And he had this radical experience with God. It was the first time I had ever seen holy laughter. I was like, whoa, this guy's really laughing and he can't stop. It's pretty cool. So, um, but then all of a sudden he just starts growing and learning about Jesus. And one day he pulled me aside and he said, how come, pe- how come people in the group talk about um, believing in Jesus? Because I feel like I know him. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> That'll preach. So he shows up to a Bible study. It's, it's summertime. We have a summer Bible study going on. And, um, you know, everyone's in this living room. We're in National City, which is like right next to the border, um, San Diego and Tijuana. And uh, we're going around sharing before we start the Bible study, which some of you do in, in your life groups here at church. Oh, how was your week? How was your week? How was your week? And Tim goes, well, this morning I was like watching porn and... Um, it just, it just was kind of lame. Everyone's like, like everyone was like, you're not supposed to talk, you're not supposed to talk, he's like, it's like, it just was kind of like, I just didn't want to do it anymore. He's like, you know what I mean? And the kid's like, I don't know what you mean. And he started describing it and he's like, yeah, that used to like, I used to like it and I don't like it anymore. Isn't that weird? And I was like, no, Tim, I think Jesus is doing something in your life. He's like renewing it in some way. Your appetite is changing. Hmm. I'm not going to, just show of hands, have you ever had an appetite change? I'm not going to ask you to say what it is. <laughs> appetite change. Yeah, yeah. We'll have it happen all the time. When I was, ta- when I was talking with Liz, about my wife, about this, she's like, oh, yeah, all the time we'd have, like, a fraternity or sorority student be like, I just don't like, ins- I don't like smoking pot anymore. What do you, why do you think that is? It's like, well, I think Jesus is doing something in you. He's taking this part of you and aligning it up there with who you really are. And the stuff down here is no longer satisfying. Paul, um, he does a sneaky thing here. He says, also rid yourselves of. So he brings, in a, he brings in a second vice list. Come on, Paul. It's like, if I didn't get you with the first list, I'll get you with the second list. You're like, whew, yeah, I didn't murder anyone. Then he's like, don't be angry. And you're like, oh, I was angry. Or the one that got me, I'm being honest, slander, the definition. Um, speaking poorly of a person. I was like, yeah, that one got me this week. So he's just kind of making sure everyone understands the stuff down here is we're not about it. If we're gonna be, if we're gonna be about Jesus, then we can't be about these things. We can't. And not because we're trying to be like good Christian Boy Scouts, not because we're trying to like clean ourselves up. It's just inconsistent. It's inconsistent with who we are up here, okay? And Paul wants to, to align who we are. He wants to align it. So here's a kind of way of thinking about it, all right? So there's above and below. For Paul, Jesus is above. That's it. 
Jesus. He's above. And then there's things like sin and immorality. There's brokenness. And then there's also just stuff that's incongruent. It just does not fit with who Jesus is. And Paul is saying, when you choose Jesus, when you have died and you rise again, you're with him. You leave these things behind. And this curious thing happens. You see these two little arrows? Stuff starts to like shed off of you. It does. It starts to shed off of you. And um, it naturally happens when you choose Jesus. Okay? Over and over again, when he's the thing you savor, fix on, fixate on, and dwell, dwell on, these things start to shed. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. When you decide to fixate on the things down here below, they don't shed. It is so hard to get rid of them, y'all. When you're like, I'm going to just stop this thing. No more craving that thing. You're, you're operating down below. And that's not what Paul's about. He's like, no, fixate, aim at, dwell on, mind above, heart above, life above. And all of a sudden, stuff peels off. It's an incredible thing. And not because you're working harder at it. Not because you're trying to like self-fix. No, no, it's because your true self is opening up and the things are passing to the wayside. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? That is good news. Our last little stanza. Paul talks about it. He says, you have taken off your old self and you have put on your new self. Again, past perfect, have, have taken off. You've already done it and you've put on your new self. Paul's using baptism language here. And it's a little different. And I read about this. This is like how the Pharisees would do baptism. They baptize themselves naked. Okay. Thank you, Derek. <laughs> I love that laugh. <laughs> they baptized themselves naked. Not everyone did this. You know, um, when John the baptizer did his thing, people were in their clothes. But the Pharisees, they would take off. And they really thought, take off my old self. Submerge in the water. Come out and put on my new self. So Paul, who was a Pharisee, is using that language. And then some scholars actually think Paul's also referring to Adam, the first man, and Christ. Adam is the old self. Christ as the new human, the new self. Because Paul uses that kind of imagery in other letters that he's written. So it makes sense, especially if you look, um, image of its creator. There's like Genesis language all in here. So... Um, Adam, the first human originally made in God's image, but fallen below. And now Christ, the, the image, we're told that in Colossians, he's the image, but he's above. And so we shed the old and we step into and embrace the new image, Christ. We live our life with him. It's really beautiful. 
He uses, so he says, which is being renewed in knowledge. See the green words there? This is the phrase I geeked out the most out of. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. So let's just look here real quick. Renewed in knowledge. It's a really powerful phrase. The renewed part is like um, growth spurt. You know, like, so have you ever like gone and, you know, you see your nephew or your cousin and you come back like a month later and they're like six inches taller. You're like, oh my gosh. And they've had some kind of growth spurt. That's this word, growth spurt. Um, and then knowledge is, it's, it's, not a, it's not a like, I know facts kind of knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge. Like I've learned it because I've lived it. Okay, I've learned it because I lived it. And so a way we could actually think of this phrase is vigorous growth that comes from experiencing God. So the kind of like, like you're just, oh, I, I think back to my senior year of high school where I just had this, I had this season where I was reading scripture every day. I'd come home and just sit in my room. I read through the New Testament in like a month. I just pounded that thing. I was just inhaling it, but it was a growth spurt. It's a growth spurt. Another way we could say it is explosion of spiritual life from repeatedly encountering Jesus. I like that one. I like that one. Yeah. So Paul Paul is saying, take off your old self. Let it be buried. It's dead. Put on your new self. Join in the actual reality that your life is in heaven. And then you are now being spiritually renewed. You are in a growth spurt because of your repeated encounters with Jesus, live into that. So just to kind of walk us through, acknowledge our true sense of life. It's only found in heaven. Allow the things that are incongruent to shed off. And it's not, it's not always quick. And sometimes actually it's not all that easy, for being honest, but it will those things will shed as we pursue Jesus. And then receive the vibrant life that is growing in our true relationship with Jesus. Okay, and now um, to end this whole thing, it's a little strange, but he says, here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. I'm like, why is that there? He does this from time to time. Paul does it in, in Galatians as well, but he'll list off a bunch of different people, and then he'll be like, those don't matter. And um, it's the kind of collection that would have really upset pretty much every person. Like, there's, like no one that would be reading this letter was like, oh yeah, those guys are all cool. They're like, but that guy, why is he on the list? Um, you know, the Greeks in the city hated Jews in Colossae. Um, the Scythians were actually seen as terrorists. Why are they on the list? Why do we get to involve them? And then slaves were constantly being shuffled through the city and were kind of despised, which we would understand. That makes sense. And um, normally when these kind of verses show up in a sermon, they're used to dismiss the differences of people. Like, oh, everyone can just be here together. We're cool, we're cool. And that's like, 
You know, let's just kind of like all conform to one thing and then we can hang out together as a church. But that's not, that's not why he says this here. He says this because Jesus is the great equalizer. He invites every person into a new life above. And the things that are inconsistent will shed. So the identities that these people have as Gentile or Jews, Scythian, if that's getting in the way of them being their true self and also participating in true community, it's going to shed. Paul just trusts that. But I, I actually translated it into a modern list. And when I read it to my wife, she was like, you can't read that in front of church. But I'm going to read it in front of church. Here we go. Here there is no MAGA Republican or San Francisco liberal, vaccinated or unvaccinated, seminarian, Hamas leader, warehouse worker, or CEO. Christ brings them all onto equal footing. And if they receive it, he is their source of life. There is not a person you could imagine or know in your life that if they chose to, to find their true salvation life in Jesus and to let the things of earth pull to the side and shed, that there's not a single person that could not be your brother or sister in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, it's not an erasure. You know, in Galatians when he says there's no man or woman, you know, it's like male or female. It's like, there still are males and females here. I see you guys, you know. So it's not an erasure, but what it's saying is, let's make the main thing the main thing. And actually, this should be the place where every person, the most diverse space in the city should be Sunday mornings here at church. Shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? Is there anything else that can actually unite all of humanity besides Jesus? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. It's Jesus. It's him. So let's live into that. Let's live into that. Last reflection question. Who have I excluded from the promise? Is there a person in my head that I've decided, no, yeah, Jesus is for everyone but that person. That coworker, that neighbor, that person I see on TV, that politician. We don't get to decide that. We don't, we don't get to be the ones that exclude. This morning we're acknowledging Jesus is above. Our lives have already been found in him. The things that are below are meant to peel away. We want to have our hearts and our minds dwell, savor, aim at the things above, at him. And we're just going to trust that as we do that, he is going to do the work of sanctifying, allowing who we are here and now to align up with the salvation life he's already given us. So would you please stand with me? I'm going to lead us in a prayer uh, to close out our service. And I'd love for everyone, if you wouldn't mind, just put your hands out like this. There's nothing, 
magical about this, but it's a posture I take all the time. Hold my hands out. It's a receiving posture in prayer. And I'm going to pray through the things that we've talked about this, this, um, this morning. And as you're sitting there in prayer, if that's you, just hold your hands out like, like up higher even. Like, yes, Lord, I want that. So, Jesus, we acknowledge you, the center of it all, made through you, for you, and in you. And Lord, some of us, we have things that we're dwelling on that have just, they have distracted us, Lord. They have pulled us away from you. And so we want to lay those things at your feet, Lord. And we ask that you would help us to dwell on the things above. Would you teach us how to focus on you, Lord? And for some of us, we walked into church this morning. We weren't sure where we stood with you. And it became clear that you are Lord of all. And so for some of us, Lord, we place our lives in front of you. And we say, be my savior. Save me, Lord. Be at the center of my life. Draw me into relationship with you. And lastly, Lord, some of us came in here um, with division in our heart. Division towards others, people that we didn't think were worthy of your love, Lord. People that we had dismissed. And Lord, we lay, we lay that division at your feet. And we ask in your mighty name, Jesus, that you would heal, that you would unify, that you would draw together. All are welcome to your banquet table, Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you for coming this morning. I'm going to invite the prayer team up front. If, um, if you need prayer for anything, anything, please come forward. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next week.